0: In the film, I wanted to really help tell, narrate the story with hair. For me, it was important because there was so hair changed the way she looked. You know, that was her biggest thing. She's like, I don't want to look on the screen and see Lady Gaga.
1: Hi Kirby, hi Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We Ooh. hope you stay a while. <laughs> That's cute. It's Oscars weekend, Kirby. It's time for the glitz and the glamour. It's so weird
3: that the Grammys are going to be after the Oscars this year.
1: Crazy. It's all out of whack. I can't keep up. Me either. And have you heard the drums? The Grammys and Kanye? (laughs) Well, that. (laughs) But have you heard the Oscars drums? Oh, yes. How the actress in West Side Story was not invited?
3: Yeah, so Rachel Zegler, who is the lead in West Side Story, she was not nominated, but her film was nominated for six Oscars. Someone was like, I can't wait to see what you wear. And she was like, I am not invited, so I will not be there. I don't know how that is possible. Like, is Ansel invited? I don't think so, because he has been, you know, shunned from any promotion of this for the most part. Wait, why? I don't know that. I don't know the drama there. Okay, well, the too long didn't listen is that he sent some predatory text messages to underage no, girls right. while
1: he was dating his now girlfriend. So that's why you didn't see him a lot. That's why. I feel like there's just been so much press around Ariana DeBose because yes. she's incredible in the film, but that's like the only thing I've heard about West Side Story.
3: Yeah, so there was like a lot of news in the past about how like West Side Story didn't chalk up to box office expectations and all this stuff. And I'm like, y'all need to give it a break. Like y'all need to give it a straight up break. It still did well. Steven Spielberg is still the king of directing. Like everybody that's seen it is obsessed with it. I still have not seen it. It's on my agenda. Like everyone needs to take it down a notch. But yeah, Rachel was not invited. And the kicker is that all of they're inviting all of these people to present like DJ Khaled, Tony Hawk, Kelly Slater and and not even the lead of this sh- movie who is also like young and relevant and like would actually get people her age to watch the I'm Oscars. I'm really confused. Is not even invited they should not be asking DJ Khaled to present. They should be asking Rachel Zegler to present. Like, yes, she's not nominated, but at the very least, she should be presenting an award.
1: Very confused. Very confused. Already off to a bad start. However, they have redeemed themselves because our guest, Frederick Aspirus is nominated for an Oscar for uh, Best Hair and Makeup Styling. He is the first Asian-American hairstylist ever to be nominated for this category, second Asian-American to be nominated in the category overall in the history of the Oscars. And uh, he's just like such a lovely human being, so, so incredibly talented, has been working in the industry for so long, built his way up, is responsible for creating the iconic looks of not just one Miss Lady Gaga, but also Paris Hilton, like iconic blondes. And he just is on the podcast today, shares a story of his upbringing, the influence of his mom, who is of Vietnamese descent, his dad, who's Filipino, and how that helped shaped him as a hairstylist today. But it was just such a good conversation.
3: Right, Kirby? Yes. And one of my personal highlights was him talking about how the hair told the story throughout the movie of house of gucci i'm very big on this like i love kind of dissecting it and he was able to really bring that to life for us so stay tuned you're going to love frederick he is fantastic frederick if you're listening
1: rooting sending all of our love and energy but even if you don't win you already have won in our eyes
3: You've already won. The nomination itself is a win in everybody's book. So enjoy this interview with Frederick, and we will speak to you on Tuesday.
1: Kirby, we are in the presence of greatness. We've got an Oscar-nominated person here on the pod. This is huge (laughs) news, huge news. We haven't had many, if any. Welcome, Frederick Asmaris, to Los Angeles.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm so excited to talk to you, both of you guys, about my movie and me and what's on my face.
3: That's literally the
1: perfect segue. Okay, just like walking into it. Frederick, tell us what is on your face? (laughs)
0: well you know i take very good care of my skin as i'm getting older now it's very important and living in los angeles one of the products actually i think kirby you're the one who taught me this because i follow you on instagram i brought it out because i'm sitting in my boudoir is my unseen sunscreen i love this thing i just had a peel because i've been doing a lot of camera stuff and i want to look fresh but i've been doing that and i like that there's no texture on it and that's mm-hmm. one of the things I use. And and it's really light and I can put it over anything. And my foundation looks amazing over it. And then guys get into this, but brows. My House Lab Brow Pencil is my favorite because it's so fine. And I like to like kind of accentuate my brows a little bit. It looks really great and I like fluffy brows. So I use that a lot.
1: I was going to say, you have fabulous brows.
0: Thank you. You know, I like a little tweaks. I don't like a full face. I'm not, I don't go... Well, sometimes, but that's my everyday go-to. My brows, my sunscreen, and that's That's on my skin. I mean, skincare-wise, foundation-wise, but now I'm using this Christian Dior. I love this, Forever Skin Perfect.
3: Oh, we are
1: whores for Dior. We stan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They can't see this, but it's, it's my blender.
1: One of Kirby's favorite picks recently
0: crazy right it's such a weird thing so I used to do makeup I love skin and everything makeup and hair I'm down with all that I love grooming and taking care of my skin and making sure that you know it's on point
3: the leia is a little suggestive people are like cracking up I made a video where I'm like bouncing it on my face I'm like this feels x-rated
1: I like that Frederick has the purple <laughs> one. That's the one that I would opt for. Kirby has the flesh-colored one.
0: The pink one was too much.
1: Listen, Bo
3: Nelson, <laughs> the man who created it, sent me the flesh-colored one. Okay, so I'm going with it. I'm going with
0: it. The flesh one was over <laughs> the top. You guys, I can't. I am not down with it. I was like, "Where's the black one?" Oh, don't. <laughs> getting really bad. <laughs>
3: Oh my god
0: Whoever made that I forgot what his name is But it worked It's a great I mean, I like it It's great It's so easy to clean yep. Do you have it, Sarah?
1: No, I need to get my hands on one He needs to have, like, all the colors
0: For the gays
1: Yeah, or that one too <laughs> Yeah, a
3: pride flag Leia
0: Right, right, right But anyways, those are on my face My um, phallic blender they- <laughs> <laughs>
3: Literally on my face. You love it when balls fly at your nose, Frederick.
0: <laughs> no, they go to social life. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> okay. So Frederick, I love this. So similar to me, your mom was a hairdresser when you were
0: growing up. Your mom was a hairdresser. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, she was when I was little. And she's the reason why I had like perms and crazy Princess Diana haircuts and stuff like that. Okay. So you started helping her when you were 13. Can you tell us about that experience? Like, was it a chore? Or was it something that you gravitated towards because you were just naturally inclined to do it?
0: I remember every day of it, because it was fun. It was good times. But I was 13, 12, 13. My sister was a child model, and I was an actor, a child actor, and my mom just started opening up a hair salon. A refugee woman, Vietnam, opening up their own business was such a very unheard of thing to do in their late 80s, early 90s. It was like, how did she even do that? But she saved all her money up and wanted to create a different lifestyle for herself because we grew up very poor, very poor on welfare and everything. So my mom started doing hair and being the curious child that I am, and also being that she's an Asian mother, wanted me to learn a craft and wanted me to help in the family business. And that's what Asian families do. I don't know if you've worked in your mom's salon, but I started like cleaning up and watching her do her job and like listening to her talk to her customers and how she was so not animated, but they loved her. Like they she had clientele like back to back and they just loved her because they called her Miss Susie and she was like bigger than life personality. And I wish I was like that, but I am so quiet. But she's like laughing with them and she always oh, she would cry with them and they would like not have a job and she would make them look good or make them feel good. And I just like that a part of that job, that connection. I would start talking to these older women and they would tell her life or so dynamic and I like this so As I was starting to do it and she was, you know, why don't you just do my hair one day? And I just started to do it. And then all of a sudden she looked at me and she's like, how do you know how to do all this so easily? I just (laughs) picked it up watching it. And all of a sudden, I just started doing it every day. I was like blow drying her hair, cutting it. I was 13, 14 now. And I was like, slowly, I would just start absorbing everything. She would teach me little things like how to wet set, finger wave, I would do all these like fun things, nails. I was like doing full sets. I was like 15 at the point. I was like, what am I doing? But the value of that is knowing that she wanted me to take over the business and knowing that she saw something in me that I was like, oh he's really good at this but at the same time I was fighting the stigma of being gay because you're doing that and I was very ashamed of knowing how to do it my father was like fix cars My dad was like you know how to do that I would know how, now I know how to fix cars I can change a muffler but I liked doing hair with makeup because I liked making people feel good and then I liked making people feel pretty and like making them feel confident and also for me Early 90s was like a weird time for me. I was trying to find myself and I would change my hair color all the time. Like, it would be blonde, it would be green, it would be red, kind of similar to what I do at Gaga, but all myself. And then I just started doing makeup and started being really good at it. I would, didn't have the money to buy fashion magazines, so I would go to the Virgin Record store and sit on the floor and just read Visionaire, British Vogue, and just like, wow, I want to do this. But at that time, there was no celebrity makeup artists, so no celebrity hairdressers. That wasn't a job. You just were lucky if you were part of that clique or group. But I remember going to Rizzoli's bookstore, bought the Making Faces book, even the Kevin O'Quarran book, the original one, and brought both of my books there because I was like, I really want to do this. I read a story. I was really compelled by it. He was growing up gay and he didn't know how to embrace it. And, I wanted somebody I can identify with. And there was really no one at that time. And so I walked up, to, went to the store, and it was the end of the night. He was standing there by himself in the back of the bookstore. I was so nervous. I was shaking. And then he literally just smiled really big. He was like seven feet tall. And he said, listen, he wrote in a book, and he said, just as long as you make people feel beautiful and look beautiful, and that's what success is, is like feeling good about yourself, not just through make, uh, just making people look pretty, but making them feel beautiful. And that's something I learned from my mom. And then it was sent to me again by an idol of mine. And then as I got older, I got put into working with Paris Hilton. Well, I'm skipping ahead here, but it just led me to these people in my life, like Paris, who, Hilton, who, well, we worked together for three and a half years and she was such a beautiful soul. She was so sweet and she took really great care of me and we took care of each other and we we had a great relationship. And then that ended because I worked with Gaga and then, you know, obviously 15 (laughs) years later and here we are, but, um, that's the start. That's kind of a quick outline of what my career is.
1: Yeah. You like, just gave us like your cliff notes, but we need to like dissect. Wait, so you met Kevin Aquan?
3: Yeah, like he was the one that.
1: Yeah,
0: that's insane. Okay, so I needed to make money, and I was a child actor. I was like working at my mom's hair salon. I did not want to work in a hair salon. I wanted to be more of myself, and my mom was like, "What do you mean more of yourself? This is like the business." And I was like, "I know there's something out there that I need to do. I wanted to go away and do something more." And said, "Okay." There was no job, to be exact. I'm going to be a famous hairdresser or makeup artist. She was like, no, I'm not going to give you any money. Figure it out on your own. So right when I was moving out of San Francisco, so I worked in cosmetics, right? I worked in cosmetics. I worked for Yves Saint Laurent Beauty at 17 years old because I needed to make money. And then because acting wasn't paying the bills yet. And then I worked my way up and I launched Versace Beauty at Neiman Marcus and became like a national for that. And then... and became a national for NARS Cosmetics and then worked for them for many years. I mean, this is 10 years of doing that, worked my way all the way up to a point where they offered me a global trainer job as a global director of NARS Cosmetics and I turned it down. They're like, what? And I said, I'm so sorry, you (laughs) guys. My dream in life was not to do just to work in retail. I didn't want that for me working in an air salon and I didn't want it for me here didn't know where to go. You have to remember that there was no path to follow. Meeting Kevin Kwan and getting inspiration from him and reading his book was only like the kick in the butt to say no to, to the Norse corporate office because I don't want to be a global director and give up a six-figure job, paying job. I was like, I'm going to go to LA and be, uh, and I don't know what I was going to do it. I wanted to work in film and fashion. So I left like shortly after Um my mom was like, well, good luck. If you come back home, you have to work your your salon. So I was like, I'm not coming back home, Mom, and I'm going to do what I wanted to do. My dream is to do this for a living. And I moved to LA and failed, <laughs> like flat on my face. I came here with $2,000, went through that really fast because it was so expensive to live here. And my friend and, and I was like had a falling out. We worked on free photo shoots. He took my book portfolio. I had no portfolio anymore. I had no place to live because I was living on people's couches. I thought I was just going to break it. I thought I was going to come here and make it because that's how good I was in San Francisco. But no, I failed. I was so ashamed to talk go home or tell anyone. Actually, no one knew. I didn't even have a car and I had no money. I was like, remember, I was like, damn, what am I want to do? So I called my old company and said, can I just freelance? And they gave me two days a week, barely anything, thank God, but they still loved me. I said, I'm not coming back. I just want to freelance. I still want to do this. And I ended up like barely making it through I lived downtown LA in a hotel for $90 a week it was like insane and I was sitting in my room one day and I was like thinking I was telling myself I was like what am I gonna do I have no money and I'm just doing these freelance jobs and I'm doing free photo shoots at a time there was no social media and then so I had to get a retail job again
1: where'd you work
0: at Barney's
1: oh Barney's
0: I know, but you know what happened? I didn't make it, but guess what? I told myself that as long as I still was going to do what I was going to do, I still loved what I did, right? Uh, and I was still doing makeup and hair, then I would still stick with this, and I did.
1: This is wonderful. We were going to ask you all these questions about like freelancing and hustling and meeting Paris Hilton, but when did you make the transition from makeup to hair?
0: I never transitioned. It was a rare breed to have hair and makeup people as one, and that's why I ended up working with Paris. She just needed somebody who could do both. I did her extensions and her makeup at the same time, and I was really good at both. You have to remember, a lot of the artists starting now, knowing everything there is about this business, about your craft, right? Products, knowing about makeup, knowing about fashion, knowing about photography, lighting, preparing us even for Zoom calls, for Instagram, for Reels. It's important to know when you get on a set, or if you're doing anything that has to do with creating a story, you have to know all this stuff in terms of knowing what departments are thinking. Well, I think it's important because it goes hand in hand. I know how the makeup is gonna end up being, it helps with the hair, it helps with the clothing, and it's part of how we process, we create things that even at the House of Gaga, we, we just know how we're gonna to work together and how we're gonna bring it to the table every time. This is how we're gonna do that. So. It just happened that after working with Paris for three and a half years and traveling the world with her forever, I was taking a quick little break because we worked, she worked so hard. My agent, Kent Belden, called and said, hey, we have this new artist named Lady Gaga. She reached out and wanted to know if you we were able to do her hair, um, maybe makeup. But I was like, mm, I think it was just hair. And then when I met her, wanted these wigs and changes and everything. And I was like, you know, I just saw you bleeding to death on stage, on the VMAs, on TV. And I'm like, you're my kind of gal. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was like the conceptualizing it. And no one did that back then. No one. There was no visual conceptualization of, of ideas. It was like just pretty. No, no artistic work. So that's why we kind of worked together really well because I came from that background. I loved referencing... Um, old movies, books, magazines. If you saw my office, it's just full of ideas. And that's what I do all day long. And I remember, I absorb it all. And it's just part of me because I think it's important to understand the history of, of, of everything you do. And it led me to doing a movie, I mean, with history of three decades. So see how it just ties in to everything in your craft. It could take you to many different levels of life, of your, your work. But makeup is still big a big part of me. I got to do her makeup for a cover of Variety when Sarah wasn't able to do it. And, and it was so fun because she knows I still love to do it. And who knows, I might want to go back and do it. But right now I have 10 weeks I have to go do right now.
3: <laughs> totally. It's been 15 years since you started with Gaga, which is insane. Stephanie Germanotta, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so amazing that like she has stuck with you and Sarah consistently. You know what I'm saying cuz like oftentimes I feel like now with like having the celebrity glam squad, I see a lot of people rotate. Like you'll see someone with a celebrity for a while and then all of a sudden a new person's ushered in. Why do you think you and Sarah have stood the test of time with Gaga? Like how has this trifecta lasted for so long?
0: That's a good question because what I can possibly say to that is that we both constantly put in the work, and we both love what we do, and most importantly, we respect each other's process. I think the Gaga allowed me to breathe in when I create things, and it's so important because as an artist myself, she respects that my process of what I have to bring to the table, and I think a lot of artists don't. I don't know if they trust the artist or the hair and makeup person is not bringing something to back up their idea. I don't know how it works, but for me doing all that research, even if it's for a fashion shoot, I treat it as if it was going to be uh, even a small one. It's going to be something huge because everything we put out has to be like that. You know, it has to be something that is, what is, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do when you're trying to put things out? If you're going to put out, you know, weird hairstyle that has like you know all this stuff around it. What's the point of this? you know, where, where is it going with that? And it, it's 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 story, the narrative, everything that we do is important for her, her, for me, because. When I open a magazine, like when you guys look at stuff or like online and something grabs you, and it's because it, it reminds you of something, it grabs you because it, it's, it's interesting, it has a story, even if it's just one photo of a still, her face like this, but her expression, her hair is done in a certain way. Like that's what I, what I try to do. I try to do that every time. And that when I'm creating something, that's what I do and think about. What is this going to relate to? It, it doesn't necessarily have to be always current for me. It's about what story is for her. You know, what's the story is for the artist? Or if I'm putting out my something else, what is the story? Even when I'm out the red carpet and I'm doing wearing what I'm wearing, I'm putting out my own story, my own my own my pride of who I am, and that's where I go with. And I think that that's what has Sarah and I with her. We've been together because we still work like that. You know Sarah and I are very similar in, in the fact that we do that. We think about that, we share ideas, we work so close together about how we are going to present to her something like that. We'll, she she gives us a story a line, and then we take it and we run with it. right?
3: Yeah, and it's very intentional. Everything is intentional.
0: It, I think it has to be yeah intentional but meaningful or in a way that either brings you joy, it questions your look. Um, even if you look at health lab stuff it has some kind of meaning behind it it's everything it's, it's like that even the movie is like that it's like you know i created those hairstyles based on every day was a different idea of how she was going to play that role so those hairstyles changed it became to kind of help facilitate her character facilitate her emotion and that's how i, I, I work with that
1: Frederick, you mentioned you have like 10 wigs to work on after this. I read in an interview that you did with Refinery a while ago that you have a warehouse of like 5,000 wigs for Gaga. A lot. Tell us more. How do you keep track? Like, what is the process here? (laughs) I'm just like trying to envision
0: 5,000 wigs in a room. I haven't had, I don't know how many, but it's a lot. I mean, you have to think about 15 years, three world tours, four-year world tours. We don't repeat wigs, so... They're made and they're just like there, it's done. Or hairstyles or ideas I've had. It was taken up my entire house. I had to rent off the warehouse and put them in boxes and photograph them and put them in things. And now some of them are in the museum in Vegas, the House of Gaga Museum at the Park MGM. So we get to see them. I got to open them up again. But I like to keep every era in their, like, not coffin, but like their box and just like... I, I'm very sentimental because I remember making them and I remember doing them. why I did that. Some, one of her wigs still has the blood from the stage prop on it from Mexico or Rainwater. It's like a lot. You know, I still have that corset braided wig. I still have that in a box. I still have the Venus giant wig. I still have all of it. And it's just because years from now I can open them and well, not years because now it's in a museum, but I wanted one day to open them and be like, look at that. So cool. I'm sitting with the costumes. She has them all in warehouses, and we do that. I haven't gone through all of them and do them because there's so much work. I, have. I need to hire somebody to help me do that. But it, it is over. I don't know. There's like so many of them. There's like thousands. <laughs> I got to, sometimes I go through them to find maybe like a piece I can reuse. I'm like Jesus. This is so much work, and they smell like uh... <laughs>
3: <laughs> old wigs, old musty wigs.
0: Well, you know, like, you know when you keep like an old lipstick, you're like, oh, my favorite lipstick. And it's just like down at the nub. And it's like, I still want to keep it. It's like still in the back of your drawer somewhere. And you're, like, But I love it. They don't make it anymore. Whatever Chanel or like something. Yeah, that's what I do. But with wigs.
3: <laughs> we have to talk about the movie, which was so much fun to watch. This was a huge project for you. You made a 500-page index book that mapped out hair and makeup for each scene. You know, Patricia has 54 different looks throughout the movie. You didn't have many photos to go off of when it came to her as a person. So let's talk about the process, because one thing I think you touched on that was really important is, you know, you're not just doing hair. It's not like you just look at a picture of her and go, okay, I'm going to figure out this wig. I'm going to figure out how to do this hair. You were essentially like a historian going through and learning about this woman and also communicating with Gaga about how she's going to portray this woman. So kind of walk us through your process. We'd love to learn more about this.
0: James, you said it really well. I mean, it is pretty much, I didn't think I was going to find myself becoming a historian of Italian hairstyles, um, you know, from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, but I did. And because originally, when I went through the script, prior to even like meeting directors or anything, we read the script, and I was like counting all the changes that she had. Because, you know, as hairdressers, we had to count how many ways we had to make. And I was like, well, that's like, a lot. I mean, that's like, she changes like, 15, like 12, 15 times in the film, the film, in terms of like her life. She got older, younger, richer, jail. You know, and I was like, uh, okay, so I, when I finished mapping it down, they asked asking, so how many looks do you have? And I was like, well, I have to do like 15 um, wigs. And they're like, well, that's a lot of undertaking. And I remember, this is like during the time of COVID, so I couldn't hire like a team of people to help make it. But I sat in my house for six months looking up all films of the 70s, finding out what was the influence of Italian women of the 70s, interviewing some Italian women via DM, my assistant who was Italian in Italy, spoke no English, but she told me some things. And then the director and the producers were like, listen, it's better if we do two wigs because it would be too hard to create all those wigs. It's all just you and maybe one more person that's going to help when you get to Italy. But I'm like, I need to get it ready before I even meet the director because it's a lot of work. And he's like, because I wanted all the wigs done or not done, but most of it made because they were all being, I had to make them to to match Gaga's hairline and color them because she went from young to middle-aged to rich to older. She got, you know, highlights. I mean, God, it got permed. I mean, it was everything in that. Six months of prepping and creating all these ideas and mapping out the progression because you have to remember she's not a famous person right she doesn't have photos everywhere there's not like anything go off so she has a photo that from her youth i had to go create a look that would match up with a photo that was a real photo of patricia in her life and make it make sense and believable to the audience something Mm -hmm. that would look like her Finding out what would her inspirations be, it wasn't what we think it is. What I found out is like Italian culture was a decade behind in the 70s. It was a very 60s inspired still in the 70s. Where they had big hair and and, ro- and flipped hair and roller sets and stuff. And they were not doing the flip and all that. It was really different because they were still inspired by a lot of the really famous Popper films that made Italian culture, like in the 60s, the, F- the Fellini movies and whatnot, so it carried on into the 70s. So I didn't want to make that mistake. And a lot of people didn't know. It's like, just make her like, a, you know, Sophia Loren. I was like, she also doesn't have the same characteristics as here, you know, facial characteristics as Sofia. So I came upon Gina Lola Brigida, who's a very famous actress in Italy. Would looks kind of like Liz Taylor, but looks kind of very similar to Patricia. So let's say if I'm a young woman and watching movies, I probably would be inspired by her because that would be my inspiration and not like American films because American films weren't widely available in Italy. Those are the things that people mm-hmm. think about. But for me, the way I'm gonna, I was going to make this character believable to everyone on the crew, to Gaga and to the world, was to be as authentic as possible, right? and to get those types of non-fame, like popular inspirations like Sophia and, and all the other Italian-American people that would actually say we know and find somebody that is more authentically perfect to match that. And until from then, I went on to match it out throughout all the decades. That was a jump off point. I went from there to like Joan Collins from dynasty to the 80s <laughs> yeah. because she got rich. You know, a lot of the influences changed also from her Becoming wealthy, when she became more wealthy, you see the influences in her style change. And what's important too is like what's really funny is that every time before we even started our four-hour glam process, Skaga was sit with me and Sarah, and we would talk about how she was going to play the part, the role, the scene that day. So let's say, for instance, she was going to do the reading of the will, right? And mm. they were just about to inherit all that money. And in the script, it doesn't tell you what her motive is. But the way that Goggins explained it to me was she was trying to like take over the business and empower her husband. But really, she wanted to be part of this business in this world, if you've seen the movie. And it was really smart because she played it as coy. Possibly. She didn't say anything, but she looked back and forth all the men in the room. And she was like, I'm going to forge a signature and I'm going to get part of this Gucci because I want this life. So with me, how I designed the hairstyle of that, I didn't want to give her something that was a a meek hairstyle or something that gave her this uh, quiet look. I needed something that made her look like she was powerful. So I gave her what 80s was known for, power hair. And I just kind of gave, pushed it up and gave her this big frizzy perm uh mohawk type of updo and and just gave her, and she was dressed in Chanel and she was ready to go and didn't say anything. But she turned to the camera. I remember watching the movie. I was like, that woman is smart. She turned to the camera and didn't say anything and her eyes changed. You can see like the instant connection and change in her mind. Like, okay, now I'm a fox and I'm ready to take over. And it was like that. She went from this sweet brown haired, Girl to this black vixen hair girl to this. She, she describes her, her characterization as animals, and she was like a fox, a tiger, and then she was a panther. So it's now she became the tiger. She <laughs> was ready to be hungry. And that's what it was. It was, it was it, I made, made the hairstyle like this, like the hungry tiger.
1: I love that. Wow.
0: Maybe sounds so far fetched, but that's how we work. And it, it works because it, in the film, I wanted to really help tell, narrate the story with. Hair for me it was important because there was so hair changed the way she looked. You know that was her biggest thing. She's like, I don't want to look on the screen and see Lady Gaga. There was no iconography.
3: Totally, and I think it's also important. Like you're basically saying this, but hair and makeup tell the story just as much as the script does. Mm-hmm. You may not realize it when you're watching Gaga in that scene, but because her hair is slicked back in that power hair look you as the audience, you're thinking, oh, this is the head bitch in charge. Like, she's about to take her power.
0: Exactly. And if she had had, like, I don't know, a slick back bun and just quiet and sat there, it would not be as powerful, or she wouldn't be as believable as possible. And that's exactly what was the the challenge. And I had to do that 54 times, so.
1: Yeah, incredible, incredible. They say in theater, show us, don't tell us, show us. And you really- you did.
0: I get so bothered when I watch films about like time period films and it just takes you out of the film when it doesn't feel real.
1: Yeah. Or it's not accurate.
0: Yeah. And, and and also like when these were films came out, uh, the film came out and a lot, of, when I was in Italy, a lot of people in Italy told me, like, fans would write music exactly how women looked like in the seventies. I was like, yeah yeah, it still was like a wet set and like it wasn't like this like you did it right and i was like if i had not spent the time and the extra months preparing for this and getting ready and creating that 400 page directory uh, i would not have gained the trust of of the director of gaga of sarah the makebars i mean it helps especially this huge undertaking this movie was so big three decades and this woman's life
1: Yeah. And it paid off for you. It paid off. It did, especially because you have a BAFTA nomination. You have an Oscar nomination, which we mentioned earlier. Congratulations. Like this is so, so incredibly major. And, you know, especially for an Asian-American hairstylist. Can you just share like when you found out that you were being nominated? What does this recognition mean to you?
0: Well, gosh, this is something that is more than just a nomination now. You know, it is so important, especially now in this climate, in our social climate, the uh, attacks on Asian people. And also, you know, growing up, I didn't have that Asian role model. You know, it was sad because I, as much as I loved Kevin O'Kwan, I wished there was somebody who was like me a little bit, you know? And maybe part of it was because I was ashamed We were always looked at as, like, help or nail techs or, you know, Vietnamese nail girl, lady. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm very proud of what my mom did. She was my role model, really, throughout this whole thing. She taught me everything I knew. And um, I'm sorry. It meant so much to me that I got to do this film because six months before this film, she died. And I didn't want to do this anymore. But I I did it for her, and I wanted to do this because it would have been a I would be a huge role model for so many people. I knew that was going to happen, and I'm glad it did because now I get to share a story and amplify voices of Asian Americans that are are not just you know our lives are not just about being stuck in one part of your life. You can be anything. Sky's the limit. I gave up acting because there was no representation as, as lead actors. Here I am now, a lead actor in the field that I do. I do. I do ha- mm-hmm. hairdressing, and I'm like, I can't even begin to tell you how proud I am to be able to sit here and talk to you guys, and to be able to like share my story and say, you know, that misrepresentation is 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 of undeserved communities is significant and, and is an issue. Of course it is. It's it's a big thing. So. I'm going to sit in my chair at the Oscars and, and sit there. And I'm going to, I was going to bring my mom, but I'm bringing my sister because we share our past. And I'm going to sit there with pride and make sure that people know that you can be anything you want. And you can really can. Yeah. And there's more opportunities. I get to speak to people from CNN and Philippines, and they were so proud. And I, the impact that I already made by just even being nominated, huge there. I mean, they're like celebrating before I even got, they even got the number. <laughs> it's just because I'm only the second person nominated and the first hairdresser ever to win, if I were to win. I mean, yeah. I feel like I've already won, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes all those sacrifices, all those failures worth it now. It really does. And I can't wait to even do more and say more and and... Bring light to so much positive, not just to just the Asian American community, but to just uh, young artists out there who who are striving to do what I do. You know, I get so many DMs from uh, little monsters who you know who follow. Who follow. <laughs> it's funny. I, I I I they followed me since the beginning of you know my career with Gaga, and they're hairdressers now, successful hairdressers, and it's so. Amazing. I'm sure if anyone's watched this and should they watch, you know, hear this, they're gonna watch this and be like, Yes, I did. And I was so proud of them because I see their work and they think that I don't, I see them, I'm like, Jeez, this is what we this is all this is what it's all about, right? Yeah. This is what it's all about. I was never doing this on the sake of that, I just wanted to be famous. I wanted to do great work. I wanted to do work that was gonna be inspiring. I wanted to put out a story that was going to, I, working with Gaga for this long and being able, able to tell my story, my journey with one artist and tell it in a way that, you know, I've stuck with her since the, for this long. And it shows the progression of my work. And I, I myself have growing every day as an artist you know even though i am nominated i still have a lot more i want to do a lot more i want to work with and work on so i'm great i'm sorry i'm a mess
1: <laughs> no thank you for sharing that obviously your mom is such a huge inspiration and i think like i'm sure a million people have told you that she would be so so proud of you and i think what you, you were saying you know like especially the Vietnamese, like women who have helped build the beauty industry. Like they are like the backbone of this industry and they do not get recognized. And so the fact that, you know, you are helping to shine a light on that community, you know, you were raised in that community is just so, so incredibly huge.
0: Little old me raised in my mom's Vietnamese nail hair salon. My father was Filipino, uh, fixing cars. I am a nominee, an Oscar nominee, and part of this academy. I'm so proud to do that because that's the American dream, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the true yeah. American dream. And yeah. it's great. It's good. And um, I, I can't, I know she would be so proud of me. And so I'm so, I make so many people proud. And I I still obviously have a lot to deal with and work with uh, myself, but I feel great that I get to, again, share this moment with everybody.
3: Well, I think that a big part of this too, Frederick, is that you quit acting, right? You gave up something because you felt like it wasn't the way, it wasn't the path. You felt like it wasn't leading you to like your true, like God-given gift, right? But now you are nominated for an Oscar. Like you are getting like an Oscar nomination without having to go the traditional root, which I think is just so incredible. Such a like feel good story. Like if any of y'all listening are struggling right now, I hope that you take this and like remind yourself every day that this is like this is like truly a success story. It's you so make incredible. Me cry
0: again. Stop.
3: <laughs> we <laughs> promise we didn't bring you on here to make you cry.
0: <laughs> Barbara Walters times two makeup
3: <laughs> No, that is honestly the best compliment you could give us. We're honored. We're honored. Okay. It's time to smile. It's time to smile because this is what we call slow burn. We're just going to quickly go through these questions though. Okay. What's the must have hair product in your kit at all times?
0: Blonde life, but Joico. I just turned blonde as an Asian person or anyone who who goes blonde, your hair gets yellow. It changes colors. The water is filled with minerals it cleans out that yellow yuck and I can't live without it. And that's why I went blonde because I know I can go and look fierce on the red carpet.
3: Fun fact about Joyco: When I first started my career, like reporting on beauty, I guess like over a decade ago at this point, the hunger games was coming out. And when they were doing like Effie trinkets wigs, one of the, a lot of the products they used were Joyco. And when Jennifer Lawrence went brunette she was using like the K Packs nonstop to keep her hair color in good shape. So, Joyco is always there behind the scenes.
0: Oh, I mean, it is amazing how, how great they are with blondes and colors. And I literally reached out to them because I wanted to work yeah. with them.
1: <laughs> oh, wow.
0: I, I wanted to you. work with because Gaga is known for her platinum blonde. And I wanted to yep. find products that were going to be deliver. I can't mess that up. So, here I am still with them, and I, I am very proud to say that, because, and not just because I work with them, because it actually works.
3: If Gaga's hair is yellow or orange, it's intentional. It's never because her blonde was bad.
0: Call it a name. We say piss yellow, and it's, yeah, because it's... <laughs> it is true. We, go, we coined that piss yellow blonde that I'm going to be known for the rest of my life.
1: It's intentional. Okay, favorite Patricia hair look from the movie.
0: Hello, father, son, and the house the Gucci <laughs> perm. It is iconic because it is exactly what women wore their hair the most ratchet looked oh the biggest frizziest perm that i fought producers for and it got its time on screen and it she wore it with pride and i loved it whenever they do memes of it it's it's it, it, it just
3: it's perfect it is it's it's infamous it'll live forever with a bang yeah with a bang with a bang too okay
0: perm how many of you guys had that
3: When I was little, when I was little.
0: Kirby, you definitely had a perm (laughs) because you had your mother perm your hair. Don't lie. And you, Sarah, Asian, we all permed our hair. Don't lie.
3: I don't know if you can answer this because I feel like every look is expensive, but what has been the most expensive Lady Gaga hair look that you've done?
0: Oh, the fiber optic wig. I spent lots of money of my own personal money making it. It was a fiber optic wig that lit up to the music it was never used because it just didn't go sometimes you just have you I make things that don't get time of the day because it just doesn't work and you cry about it yep. but it was so expensive to make <laughs> fibers that look like hair that had electronics hooked up the back of your head it was a lot of work and a lot of money and it was so expensive but it was worth it because it got a little little time on it
3: where would we have seen that I, I'm like in, trying to envision it
0: one time she posted it okay 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 and then that was the full glory and then we just wore it a little bit on a i think graham norton show or one of their lunch shows in london she wore it playing a piano and she the piano was playing and it was like lighting glowing and like it was that was it and then that was it
3: that's incredible wow
1: wow wow okay we asked this um when saratana was on our podcast like a year plus ago so this is going to be difficult but what is your favorite lady
0: gaga song uh old or new okay
3: pick
1: two pick two pick an oldie and a a new
0: bad romance and sour candy
1: i was gonna say bad romance is mine i also really loved her song with r kelly which i feel bad about and like can't listen to like
0: better honey the Christina aguilera when she sang it at The Voice with her, you ever seen that? Christina killed yes. it. Yes,
1: that one is great. You're right. You're right. Okay. Okay. Body.
0: And she would. She gave that Christina run. But like, <laughs> we need.
3: Oh. It's not on streaming though, right? Like you can't
1: just listen to it.
3: it I mean...
0: Off, and they replaced it with that. So go. It's on on.
1: Oh, okay. Love that. Love that for me.
0: I play it. I'm like, and then Christina, when she comes on, I'm like, she does that little run and then she's like, ah, it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. That's a good one too.
1: You're showing your, your Filipino side with your singing abilities, by the way.
0: They literally forced a karaoke mic on me as a child.
3: (laughs) No, wait, Sarah, your favorite song is what? the bad romance and then
1: do do what you want with my body
3: it's hard for me i love the fame monster so like dancing in the dark
1: Ah, uh, also also great. monster
3: yeah i'm i'm a huge fan but i will say i mean i think i've said this maybe 15 times on this podcast like when we met gaga at the house labs launch like it took every fiber of my being not to just like fall into a puddle and die cuz i i like get so emotional talking about her but like literally, if, if I ever got a chance to interview her, I don't know if I would be able to hold us together. I think I'd just be sobbing. I've followed her literally since 2008. Like I am a little monster.
0: I love that. I'm going to tell I her I talk to you guys. You should come it's to our jazz show. Up. Oh my gosh. You should to come to <laughs> okay. her.
1: We'll come with you wherever you go. If you're with Gaga, just let us know. We'll tag along.
0: Come to see the jazz show because she is, I don't know what that woman is on fire when she sings jazz and live. It's like you and her in the room by yes. yourself. Have you seen it? Have you guys seen it? It's insane.
1: She's on another level. Yeah. The talent is like
0: unmatchless. The whole audience is young, young jazz lovers now. It's crazy. Yeah, that's it.
3: What are you wearing to the Oscars?
0: Good question. I am w- going to wear a bespoke Italian designer suit by the name of Giulia Heritage. It's still being made. It's in Italy. I just emailed it and said, just please, please come through because it's customs. I wanted to go classic, old classic. I love old Hollywood, and I'm going to come old Hollywood style, a tuxedo. I was going to wear leather, but they said no.
1: Okay, we'll save that for the after party.
0: But it's going to be a, a tuxedo, and it's going to look very old school. I wanted to like go kind of like, you know, old Hollywood, card gable, like that type of stuff with blonde hair.
1: to looks so handsome.
0: We'll see, but that's definitely what I want. But see if it comes through, if, it may, if they send it.
3: Fingers crossed. Frederick, thank you so much for spending this hour with us. You are incredible. Where can everybody find you online?
0: Uh, Frederick S. Spires on Instagram and uh, Hair by Frederick on Twitter.
3: Amazing! Thank you so much. Congratulations!
0: This is so cool. Thank you so much. This is so much fun have being on this podcast with you guys. I hopefully I can just talk to you guys again when I have, you know, a golden trophy in my hand.
1: Alright, that's it. Thank you everyone for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with the week's most buzzy beauty news. Make sure
3: you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on
1: all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts, I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby
3: Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Los Angeles was created by us, Kirby Johnson and Sarah Tan. It's part of the ACAST network and licensed by Vice Media Group.